Hey homemakers! In a nutshell, let me introduce myself. I am Julia Pearl and I'm here to lead and empower others to embrace the joy of homemaking. I don't want the art and knowledge of homemaking taught to me by my great-grandma to be lost to the next generations. I'm called to share this joy and creativity with everyone that I meet. First off, I want to let you know that brevity is not my strength, so please bear with me. But I believe that magic is generated when you create with your own hands. This magic is a combination of joy plus love. Even though sometimes I would like the magic of Harry Potter and other fantasy realms to be real. It's all the personal touches that create warmth within our homes and in our relationships. I strive to build lasting memories, tasty food, and a really cozy home. And I want to share what's been taught with me and hopefully encourage or inspire more handmade creations and an understanding of what homemaking really is. So first off, a little bit about me. I was born and raised in Lansing, Michigan by my great-grandmother, also known as Grandma Pearl or Graham, and she truly instilled my passion for homemaking. She taught me to cook, sew, bake, rewire lamps, cobble shoes, and fix just about anything. But most importantly, she encouraged me. She always reminded me that if you want to do something enough, you can learn how to do anything. I spent most of my life wondering, what's my purpose? What's my career goal? How do I mush all of my ideas into a cohesive business or a life plan? From the time where children were asked, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I don't know why, but I always struggled to answer this question. I knew the answer, but I wasn't going to openly share it. It was only appropriate to be part of my goals. Friends, I wanted to be a wife, a mother, and a homemaker. That was my dream. Now, did I also want to be a ballerina, a Broadway star, a teacher, professional singer? Absolutely, but not nearly as much as my passion for being a homemaker. I didn't think that I could get to the end, being a homemaker that is, without first being a wife, then a mother, and then, once I had enough kids, be able to stay at home with them and take care of them. So, I did what I thought was logical. I made it through secondary school, and I had an incredible education, and convinced myself I'd be a teacher. It was a goal I could actively work towards. I applied to two universities. At one, I would have a musical theater focus, and at the other, I'd have a singing focus. I literally decided on the school and the degree path from choosing which school was going to give me a larger scholarship. And thanks to Central Michigan University, I studied vocal performance and had an extra $500 a year. I kept it tucked back in the back of my mind that maybe I'll meet my soulmate in college. We'd finish school, get married, and I would teach until I had babies. And once the youngest was school-aged, I'd go back to teaching because it was the best job for being a mother. This didn't come to pass. In my first semester, I realized as an education major, as a vocalist, I was actually studying to be a choir director. I didn't really think I wanted to be a choir director, so I auditioned and changed my major to a Bachelor of Arts and focused on vocal performance. Then, after my freshman year in college, 
I actually ended up enlisting in the Army Reserves. I went to basic training that summer. I completed my sophomore year of college and went back for my Army job training, also known as AIT or Advanced Individualized Training. In the fall semester of my junior year, I didn't have any health insurance. It was 2006. I was struggling to locate my assigned reserve unit because the one I enlisted into was disbanded while I was in training. And all of this meant that I wasn't getting any of my enlistment benefits. I wasn't getting my monthly drill pay because I wasn't going to drill weekends. I wasn't getting my GI bill to cover my tuition or my GI bill kicker that I got as an enlistment bonus because I didn't have a place to submit the paperwork. It was several months without the income and without the benefits that I'd planned for. And after a trip to the ER, which was a couple hundred dollars, I decided it was time to enlist in the active duty component of the Army. I'd have health insurance, a steady paycheck, and so far, I really loved the Army. At least once I was out of basic training. (laughs) In AIT, I was a part of a nerdy little group of overachievers. I was the class leader, I dated the student first sergeant, our group of friends for the summer participated in all the mock boards. Surely, being active duty in the army, that was my best plan. So, off to Fort Hood I went. It was my first time living anywhere other than in Michigan. And a couple of weeks after I was there, I stumbled across an audition to sing with the 4th ID band. It seemed like it was kismet. But the opportunity fell through due to my assigned unit not letting me go. I deployed for about 15 months, and my next assignment was my dream job. I received a coveted special assignment to sing in the United States Army Europe Soldiers Chorus. A year and a half later, I met someone, got married eight months after that. The real dream, the real dream was actually coming to pass, except that it wasn't. I was in too much of a rush. To keep it brief, my marriage failed. I failed. My husband failed. This was a season of my life that, in a lot of ways, I will always cherish. For the laughter, for the fiscal stability, for the silly nicknames, for all the lessons I've learned. The most important one being, don't let my circumstances or those around me infringe on my faith or my joy. My priorities from this point forward are faith, then family, then my community, and then my income. You may be wondering what all of this has to do with my business. So let me give you a little bit of a history. In 2012, 2013, somewhere around there, I shared a poll with all of my friends and family on Facebook. I wanted to open an Etsy store or have an income producing hobby. And I asked everyone to choose between two different names. The winning choice was the Ocelot's Den. I low-key started a WordPress website in 2016, then actively worked on it in 2017, let it fizzle out and expire literally a month before I had the ambition to actually do something with my website. All of which meant starting over with content creation. Womp, womp, womp. But in October of 2019, I ended up hosting my neighborhood book club for a spooky mystery, The Turn of the Key by Ruth Ware. And I crafted a spooky meal. I baked a cake inspired from the Cocoa Pops mentioned in the book or whatever the British version is. Now I am misremembering. So (laughs) if you know, please, please let me know in the comments. 
but this cake actually led me to start marketing my boutique cottage bakery. And at the end of 2019, with a small cash gift, I was profitable in my first two months of business. In the second week of January, I was informed that my business wasn't a, quote, real business. (laughs) So I tied up all the loose ends and formed my LLC and tied up all the legal and tax requirements that were necessary. (laughs) Who's got a real business now? By the end of January, I started booking more clients. I had a birthday party for eight of the next 10 months, and I had three wedding cakes. Then in the middle of March, because it was 2020, we were all on lockdown. Two of the weddings rescheduled for the next year, and I didn't exactly feel comfortable advertising or marketing celebration treats. I had a few beautiful orders for some small gatherings. I made treats for a remote book club. And by early August, though, my business bestie suggested I make some pet bandanas. She has and continues to have a thriving dog collar business. And so I thought I would test out using Pearl as my model. And I went to town. I had a potential client and she asked for a custom election themed bandana. And as the ever capitalist that I am, trying to figure out the business world for myself, I learned how to design my own fabric. And actually this fabric and slash wallpaper has been my biggest seller. And it cracks me up so hard. Then I began baking more. I had some cul-de-sac pop-ups with one of my neighbors. And by the end of 2021, I was starting to get the hang of promoting myself to others. But the name of my business just took so long to explain to everyone. And as much as I love the Ocelot story, it was hard for me to explain how that related to my business. How does that relate to baking or to sewing? Which led me to the pink pearl or pink pearl. In January of this year, I moved to Lynchburg, Virginia. My beautiful and and amazing sister, Melissa, came to help me move and get settled. I'd been casually thinking about my name change when she pulled out a sweet and silly little gift for me. She'd been at a thrift store and she saw a pink cheetah stuffy and she said to me, I thought it was a pink pearl, meaning pearl my cat. And it was instantaneous. I knew this was the name, Pink Pearl. I debated spelling it like Pearl the Ocelot, um, which is P-U-R-R-L, Pearl for a cat, Pearl, P-U-R-L for, of course, the knit stitch, um, for those of you that don't know or do know, and then, of course, the homonym of Pearl. But I wanted to stick with the traditional spelling like my great-grandmother's name. I didn't want anything confusing about my business name, social media handles, or my domain name. And I was thrilled to definitively know I wanted to change my last name to Pearl as well. And unfortunately, pinkpearl.com wasn't available or the social media handles weren't available. So I chose Pink Pearl Life because homemaking, especially full time, is a lifestyle. The next clarity I saw after was the scope of my business. This has been a lot more challenging. I was moving, getting settled, discovering 
what Lynchburg has to offer, going to school, and I knew in my heart of hearts there was a way for me to do everything under one business umbrella. I could see this intersection of creativity. I had this profound emotional understanding, yet I couldn't intellectually articulate it. Then, in the middle of the night one night, I woke up. It came to me in my sleep. Empowered homemaking. It resounded so strongly that I actually got out of bed and wrote myself a sticky note that I stuck on the wall near my headboard. So what exactly is empowered homemaking? I wasn't really sure, but intuitively, I knew this was my path. The Lord was continuing to illuminate the way for me. Do I have a succinct definition? Absolutely not. What does it mean, though, to be empowered? According to Merriam-Webster, it's the knowledge, confidence, and means or ability to do things or to make decisions for oneself. And I think that's really a lot of it. And I've been gifted with knowledge and teachings from my gram. I have an inquisitive mind and a lifelong love of learning. I've learned confidence through experience and practice, and I have clarity and surety from my intuition that I can choose to be the homemaker. And this is what I've desired for my whole life. And I want to encourage you to embrace your empowerment and the role of homemaker that you have and the ways that it lights you up the most. It's not something to hide from or to feel less than about. Whether we're working a traditional nine to five, working a flex schedule around our children, or embracing full-time homemaking. What are the areas in homemaking that light you up the most? What are the areas you prefer to take some shortcuts in? Would you rather bake the cake and pour your love and creativity into it or simply design the cake or pick a theme and leave the creativity up to a seasoned baker? I suppose I've got cake on the brain because I just celebrated my 36th birthday and baked a beautiful cake for me and my birthday buddy. But my point is, whatever decision we make about how to get the cake, one decision doesn't make us less than another decision. Leveraging our community is one of the greatest joys we have, whether it's a covered dish supper, grandparents enjoying their grands as the parents are getting something ready in the home. It takes a village. This is the true beauty of having community. I'm here and I'm called to encourage you and help you cultivate love and joy through your homemaking, for you to embrace your calling and go where you're led. And at the same time, I know there are a lot of you that are new homemakers and don't really know where to start. You might be overwhelmed with your to-dos. You may not understand budgeting. You may feel ashamed for some place of lack you're noticing in your home life. But I'm here to tell you, You are enough. You have the ability and talent to be the homemaker that you desire. And I'm here to answer questions, share my embarrassing mistakes so you don't have to experience them. I'll share my wins too, and I look forward most to hearing what your wins are. You don't have to know everything. (laughs) I certainly don't know everything. I send my girlfriend's short videos at least once a week that I like to call... Well, that's embarrassing. (laughs) Learning is a lifelong practice. Thank you, friends. Thank you so much for taking your time to listen today. I know that time is one of our most precious assets, and it means the world to me that you're here 
in this moment as I begin this endeavor and embrace my purpose. If you're just as excited to share this time together, please send me a message. I'd love to have a little more encouragement. Or if you know someone else that this message will encourage, please share this episode with them. And until next time, I hope your day is filled with an abundance of love and joy. Bye.